Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Man, hearing the worship this morning, hearing about this awesome crew over here, man, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, if you guys don't know the, the dedication and the sacrifice it takes for Johnny, Christina, um, our interns were phenomenal this week. Um, all our youth leaders that sacrificed time, effort, money, work, everything to be there for them. I mean, just what they did and made the impact of these students is just unreal. And I just want to, can we affirm them this morning? Like, I don't understand. Like, that's just awesome. You know, me and Katie, we love, we love getting to go to camp every single year. Usually we're either uh, counselors or we try to go as often as we can. We'll go every single night or try to go throughout the day as well. Uh, this, year, this week, uh, we did something a little different. We decided to take in Johnny and Christina's kids and... Nobody gave me the memo. I don't know who dropped, I think Jack dropped the ball or something, that watching one kid and watching three kids, there's a big difference in that. Nobody told me that. Uh, But it was fun. Our house went from like a level two kind of energy to a level 55, and it was just crazy, but it was was fun. And uh, if you guys, you know, it's kind of funny, the last few times I've spoken, I've kind of told you about this tradition I've started. It's a really fun tradition that every single time I speak, Something happens to my house. It's really fun. Um, you know, I've had two washers explode. The chances of that are just ridiculous. Two separate times. We had, uh, the last time I spoke a couple weeks ago, our sewer line under our house exploded three times within the week. That one was a good one. Um, but you'll be happy to know that the streak is finally continuing. It has continued. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. You know, a couple weeks ago, we just got back from vacation. And this was a more self-inflicted one. Um, we left for vacation. I guess I haven't been living in Texas long enough to realize when you leave, you turn your AC up. You don't turn it off. I turned it off. So after this long, uh, we got home at like midnight, Bowie's freaking out, crying, and we just wanted to get him to sleep. Get into the house, it's 98 degrees, nasty sauna. We just walk in, oh. The fun part about this is going to turn our, I was like, it'll only take like an hour to cool off. 15 minutes before, somebody crashed into a transformer outside of our house. They said it won't be on until morning. Sergio thinks this is funny. Um, it was just the hard. So we had to pack up all our stuff, go to my sister's house, and all three of us sleep on a small air mattress. That was our night. So you guys will happen to know the tradition's still alive. We'll, we'll see you next time for another episode of what's going to happen in Nick's house. Um, but hey, if you guys know, we're going through an awesome series right now called Summer Playlist, uh, Summer of Love, going through the book of First John. And I've just loved this series. I kind of love that we're, what we're talking about because, you know, for me, summer holds a lot of memories. That, I mean, kind of my whole childhood, my memories kind of revolve around summertime because we kind of did, I guess, I, I just seeing it nowadays, I feel like we did vacation very different. Um, instead of kind of doing one days or weekend getaways or kind of spreading it out throughout the year, doing weeks here and there. We did one vacation a year. That was it. Just one. And, but that one vacation was like a mega vacation. We went for like three weeks. It was awesome. The whole year, that's what we looked forward to. 
And, you know, that vacation just, it was just, it was great. I loved it. But there's so many moments, I don't know, maybe I'm alone in this. I, 99% of a vacation, you love. But there's also that, like, 1% you hate. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, you, you, like I love my family, but spending a week with them 24-7, sometimes on, like, week set, like, day seven, yeah, I don't know. But, no, the part I love about vacations is the week before. The week before vacation, when you're like packing, you're getting ready, or getting ready to pack, I don't know what that's about, but I like, man, I'm going to pack my bathing suits because I'm going to the beach, I'm getting excited, um, I'm going to pack my gym clothes, even though I'm going to pretend like I'm going to work out, even though I'm not, um, and I think there's something about, the dads are in this room, let me know, I hated packing a car before, but what is it about like being a dad that it's like a, it's like a rite of passage, it's like pack a car, what is it about? I love it now, I feel like it's like, part of my duty as a job, like a dad, to pack the car out. Tim, I don't know if you're able to do that yet. Let's, you got like 17 kids, but <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, Katie always does this thing where, you know, I'm going to pack super light this year. Two suitcases, max. And this year she walks out and she's like, all right, uh, here's like five suitcases, seven laundry baskets, and like every appliance in our house. And she looks at me and she's like, do you think you could fit in the car? And, like, that's the most offensive thing you could say to, like, a dad right now, you know? I'm like, this is what I was, this is my moment. Like, I'm going to pack it in the car. And you, like, tetris your way to fit every little thing in, and you finally shut the trunk, and it clicks. And you're like, well, I peaked. This is it. Like, it's only downhill from here, right? Like, I just, I love that kind of thing. And then you hop in the car. Me and Katie always kind of, like, like make mixed CDs and, and kind of, like, burn CDs for each other with, like, fun songs like that, like, Don't Stop Believing and stuff. And then you hop in the car, and 10 minutes down the road, you're like, hey, can you get me my snacks? Oh, I put them in the trunk. You know, and then you're like, that's like, oh, all ruined. But I love that whole beginning part of vacation. But the part I hate, there is no worse day than the last day. I know that's obvious, but if you think about it, that last day is literally, you're getting up, you're packing, right? Putting it on the car, which is not as fun on the second time. Going home, driving, flying, getting home, unpacking, packing, realizing, wow, i got to wake up in the morning and go to work. Man, I have to uh, fix my AC because I forgot to turn it on. Um, you know, all this stuff. I have no food in the house, right? And there's just that one part of, like, vacation. You're like, man, I just don't love that part. And this morning, that's kind of what I want to hit on a little bit. I want to talk about something a little different as we're talking about love. We want to talk about the love that God hates. The love that God hates. But I want to do something this morning. Um, you know, as, like I said, like, I love that our crew, man, our, our, youth, our youth group just did, had an awesome week. And, uh, you know, I had a tough week. But you know what? I love that we get to come here and focus our attention on God. That's what it's about. Like, I, I may have had a hard week leading up right to this morning. But what got me, like, excited, passionate, excited, and getting my mind refocused is walking in here, being a part of my church family, seeing the lives that were transformed, seeing their passion this morning during worship. Like, that's what it's about. And I'm just excited to be here this morning. So I want to challenge you this morning as we kind of go through this uh, passage in the Bible and we talk about this, to have a certain perspective this morning. Because I, th I think a lot of times we can come to church and, you know, we kind of get off focus a little bit and we put the focus on us. And we say, well, man, I got to think about what I'm going to do for lunch. I got to think about, you know, I got to put my kids down to sleep. I got to make sure I'm doing this for work. I'm a little behind, or I got to do this and this. Set that aside for a moment. For the next 20, 25 minutes, 
let's not focus on us, but let's actually focus on being present with God this morning. Can we do that? So let's dive into this. We're going to 1 John, if you have your Bible with you, 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. And this is what it says. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. You're going to see something. You kind of see that repetition there. It kind of seemed like I repeated myself. I'm going to explain that in a moment. But then it goes on in chapter, in verse 15, John talks about not loving the world. He says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we kind of see this question that John raises in this passage here. And the question is, why should we not love the world? Why should we not love the world? And I want to go through four answers this morning. First one is, why should we not love the world? Because of what the world represents. We see throughout the Bible, there's actually at least three different meanings for the word world. That's kind of a hard thing to say, word world. I said it wrong. But there's at least three different meanings. Like in Genesis, you kind of see uh, the physical world. God, God talks about creating the world, the physical world. Then you kind of see in the New Testament, the world kind of represents us, mankind. Right? But here, John is talking about the world, meaning anything contrary to the will of God. And we use that word world a lot in the form of a system, system kind of in our lives. You ever notice that? Like the world of sports or the world of politics or the world of finance, right? Like we kind of use that in a system. Well, God's word says that the world is Satan's system that opposes the work of the Lord because he is described as the ruler of this world, which is why in Luke 16, it says we are either children of the world or we are children of God. So the number one thing why should we not love the world? Because of what, it, what the world represents. Anything contrary to the will of God. Number two is because of the impact the world has on us. In verse 16, it says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So John points out these three devices here, right? These three devices that are used to trap us, right? The lust of the flesh. What's that? These are those those desires in our life that, that were created to be bad, right? But when our flesh nature, when our sin nature gets a hold of that, they become bad. And that's that trap, right? Like hunger and, and thirst, uh, sleep, sex, these things, these desires were not created to be bad. But when our sin nature, when our flesh nature gets a hold of them, they become bad, right? Like that, that hunger can turn into to gluttony, uh, that Sleep can turn into laziness. That thirst can turn into drunkenness. That sex can turn into lust and immorality. Like those are the traps. That is, that is what Satan uses to trap us. Then it talks about the lust of the eyes, right? That's a little more obvious. Like what are we focusing our attention on this morning? Like what are we, are we watching things we shouldn't be watching? Are we spending more time on our phone, on social media, looking at what other people are doing, spending more time binge watching a new show that's coming out and we haven't even touched God's word, and it's just collecting dust on the side of our, 
our, our table. We have to start evaluating, you know, where is our attention? Where is our focus? And then it talks about the pride of life, the boastful pride of life. You know, Pastor Ed kind of hit on that a little bit the other week because we kind of do this comparison game. And you say, you know, we, well, we might not be doing as much as we should be, but at least I'm not as bad as they are. Or at least I'm not doing as little as they are, right? And we kind of compare and we let pride kind of dictate our life rather than the will of God. That is the impact the world has on us. It leads us into these three traps that keep us from the will of God. Number three, why should we not love the world? Because of what a Christian is. Now we're going to go back to those, those first few verses. Um, verses 12 and 13 kind of talk about, you know, who John is addressing, right? And then verse 14, it kind of repeats itself, but there's a difference in it. In verse 12 and 13, it's addressing children, right? Young men and fathers. Well, children in this are used to represent young believers. That's kind of the, the translation for it. And then it talks about young men who are said to be conquerors of the faith, defeating the evil one, but they aren't fully mature in the faith yet, but are continuing to walk closer and closer with God. And then it goes on to talk about fathers who are mature believers in Christ, kind of pouring into that next generation or those children and those young men. And then verse 14 repeats itself almost word for word, but there's a difference. You know, when they use the word children, the translation for children in here actually means children under instruction, or in other words, a student, right? Now, John is talking about growth, growth in stages, that as a Christian, we should be growing in our walk with God. And that's what John is illustrating here. And I love that it talks about, you know, young students in the faith who are then maturing and now becoming passionate followers of Jesus, defeating sin. And then it goes on to say these fathers in the faith, the mature believers in the faith that got it, that are doing it, and also pouring to those students and pouring into those that are passionate in the faith. But I love that it kind of ends. It's kind of interesting because it kind of goes children, fathers, and then young men. It doesn't kind of go in that right order. But it does it because that, in that young men kind of verse right there, that holds the key to our growth. Because it says it's by living and abiding in God's word. That is the key to our growth in our spiritual walk. Not just dabbling in it, Right, like I love that uh, one of our crew students came up here and said, man, we are starting a Bible plan immediately right after camp. That's awesome, because that's what it's about. It's not about just dabbling in it here and there and saying, well, I haven't done it in a while. Now I feel guilty that I haven't, so I'm going to do it. I have to check it off the list because I feel like I have to. No, it says living and abiding in God's word, saying daily I'm going to read this. Daily, I'm not just going to read this for the sake of reading it and checking it off my list, but saying, I, Lord, Give me something through this. Speak through me something that I can take from this and apply in my life today. That's living and abiding God's word. So why should we not love the world? Because as Christians, we should always be growing and living and abiding in God's word. Number four, why should we not love the world? Is because of where the world is going. This one's big. I really want this to hit home. Um, verse 17 says, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. You know, I think so many of us, and this was me for sadly the majority of my life, we have this earthly perspective and we can't get the focus off of us and we never get that eternal perspective. We never have that perspective of, I want my life down here to matter up there. 
Because guess what? John, this is the big thing. This is the big thing in this passage. John is saying there are two ways of life. That's it. Just two. A life lived for eternity or a life lived for time here on earth. And you know what he says? He says, this one will never fade away. This one will never die. This one is unconditional love, hope, eternal. And this one is fading away into nothingness, into darkness. And we have a choice. But here's the thing. As Christians, so many of us try to beat the system and say, no, there's a third option. And we say, I don't want to be fully in the world, but I also don't know if I want to fully be all in for God. And we say, I'm going to sit right in the middle. I'm going to have one hand on each and say, no, this is, this is safe. Because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in with God a little bit here and I'm kind of in the world, but I don't want to fully let go of these desires, these lusts, these addictions, whatever it is I'm going through. I don't, I don't want to let that go just yet. And maybe I'll wait. And maybe at one point in my life, I'll, I'll get to this point, but I'm just going to hold on one hand each. You know what the Bible says about that? In the book of Revelation, when it's talking the letter to the church of the church in Laodicea, it says, that is having a lukewarm faith. And this isn't meant to come across harsh, but what God says about that, he says, that is repulsive. He says, I'm going to spit you out for that. And I know sometimes that I've read that so much because my entire life, I feel like, has been that kind of lukewarm sitting on the fence saying, I don't know which to choose. I don't know which one's more valuable to me in my life. So I'm just going to sit right here in the middle. But I read this and I'm thinking, no, God can't be that harsh. Like, I'm I'm not as bad as this person because the Bible says God either wants you to be all in with him. He'd rather you be all in with him or just all in the world. It is more repulsive to God when we say, I'm going to sit here in the fence because I don't know which is more valuable in my life. Because when we have the full knowledge and understanding of the love of God, when we know the sacrifice that he made, the constant pursuing of us to have a relationship with us, when we understand that and we say, man, I understand how much you love us. I know how much you sacrificed for me. I know that you sent your son to die on a cross for me, that even though I am a speck on this earth, that my time here on in this life is so short that you love me so much through my sins, through my transgressions, through everything I'm going through, but I just don't know if that's quite enough. So I'm just going to be kind of half in. You imagine that? Like we tend to see things from our own perspective more than the perspective of God. Like if you imagine seeing that in your life and you're saying, I did everything for you. I sacrificed everything for you. I am constantly pursuing you. Why are you still in the world? Why do you still have one hand on the world? That is going to fade away. That is going to pass away into nothingness, into darkness. God's saying, why are you sitting on the fence? Since that is repulsive, I'm going to spit you out. And then he answers, this isn't meant to be harsh in the next verse. He says, it is because I love you. He loves us that much. He's saying, don't sit on the fence. Don't waste your life, waste your opportunities, waste this precious, short life for your own desires, for your own glory, rather than living it for God. And I love that these students, like hearing their lives and just hearing about, you know, what God has done in their life, what, how excited they are, the passion. If I tell you something, I feel like a lot of us have probably heard something like this before. And sometimes I want you guys to understand this too. Like you come back, I went to youth camp my entire life. 
And I remember coming back from camp and having this passion, right, for the first maybe week. And then it would slowly fade away. And that can happen for all of us. You know, we can stay here and think, man, this is, this is great. I feel like, you know, I really want to go all in for God now. This is, this is my time. And we say, I'm excited about what God's doing in my life. This is awesome. And then reality hits. And it hits hard. Those traps in the world hit hard. And we go back on the fence or we start falling back into the world. I'm telling you something. The love of God does not fade away. When we hold on to God, that is eternal, that is everlasting. You know, it's that one question we need to keep asking ourselves this morning. The most important question you can ever ask yourself, right? Especially right after camp, keep that fire going. Is, are you choosing God or are you choosing the world? There is no third option. Because it is so easy to fall into these traps. That is so easy. You know, a, a pastor friend of mine in New England shared this, this statistic with me this past week. And this kind of just shook me a little bit. And he said, this is what the statistic said. It said,